This is the Podium Finish Live on WSBU-FM, the Buzz 88.3. From Austin, Texas, and various points across the country, here's your host, Rob Johnson. And a good, good day, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to the Podium Finish Live here on WSBU 8FM, The Buzz 88.3, and on major streaming platforms. My name is Rob Tiamson, and I'm your host for the Podium Finish Live. And I'm a motorsports journalist based out of Austin, Texas, and I've been covering NASCAR since 2008. I'm so glad that you can join me and my co-host, Nathan Solomon, who I'll introduce very shortly for another edition of our show. I can't believe it's episode four already. It seems like we're just flying by and um, episode one just seems more like days ago instead of basically a month ago, but time flies by pretty quickly when you're having fun, as they say. Um, but this is the first postseason edition of the Podium Finish Live. So even though there may not be live action on the racetrack uh, until February, Nathan and I are still gonna have a lot to talk about. And we're gonna probably have a few of our friends from the podiumfinish.net join us on some future recording sessions. So don't worry, racing fans and Bonnies. We're gonna have a lot of great conversations on this podcast and radio show. And of course, on the radio show edition, there'll be plenty of awesome songs to hear from um, like archives that Nathan and I will divvy up together. And if we have any special guests, of course, as you know, they'll have their songs playing on the show as well. But um, as you know, this show is recorded in advance. so. We don't, we're not really live live, but you know, the atmosphere is pretty live. So it's almost like listening to the Dale Jr. download. Um, but with me, Rob Tiongson and Nathan Solomon, a couple of Bonnies who just happen to love NASCAR and covering the sport as well. Um, so it's a really cool show. And if it's your first time listening in, before I do introduce Nathan, I do want to do a really quick rundown of what the show is like. So regardless if it's a racing season, episode or the off season basically we'll introduce ourselves kind of catch up on what's been going on and then the very first segment of the show of course is our podium perspectives which uh for you folks who like to listen or watch espn um and watch part of the interruption with tony kernheiser and michael wilbon well think of it like that but uh, nathan and i are probably not going to kill each other <laughs> too badly on the show <laughs> so it's pretty fun um, and it can go anywhere, really, uh, in terms of our conversations. So definitely, you'll, you guys will enjoy that for sure. And, and then we also have a segment called In the Hot Seat. So if you have never been on our website or you're a new fan of our works, you'll know that we have an interview series called In the Hot Seat, which is not just an interview series with drivers, but also with personalities and pit crew members, anybody who's an anyone in NASCAR and motorsports. So it's not just about how the car is running, but more of a getting to know you session, a conversational approach of interviews, if you will. So that's definitely fun. And then, of course, when we have the racing season um, in progress, we do a preview as well called Podium Previews, which is almost like a uh, audio version of what we do each weekend when racing is going on. But we're not going to have any racing anytime soon. But uh, we've got a lot to talk about on this fourth episode. So with that, it's about time I actually introduce my co-host, Nathan Solomon. Um, he's a fellow Bonnie as well, and a great motorsports journalist who joined the Podium Finish this past summer. Um, but 
like me, Nathan's been pretty busy with work <laughs> at school uh, as we wrap up the fall semester, believe it or not. So Nathan, how have you been doing and how are those homework assignment books and books going for you? <laughs> Yeah, Rob, I'm doing well. I mean, always, uh, always good to be on here on uh, the Podium Finish Live here on uh, on major streaming platforms, and of course, WSBU, my uh, uh, my my great college radio station that I'm uh, fortunate to be a part of. Uh, like you said, is it it's now um it, it's now postseason or or rather off season time in uh in NASCAR, but we'll still have plenty of content coming your way both on here both. Uh, uh, on the website as well uh but yeah man i've been i've been really busy uh it just so happens to be that right once um once nascar starts a lot of my college basketball stuff begins so it's a never never ending cycle but of course uh we'll always have some nascar uh content coming your guys way no for sure and you're always busy because you are on campus uh yes, so that's yes. one i am on one campus thing, yeah that's one thing i've not distinguished yet so i know i keep saying i'm from austin texas but I really am in Austin, whereas Nathan is in Bonnie uh, territory. So he is always having his hands full and always busy doing the sports coverage that he does and doing it so well. Um, so he is more of an authentic Bonnie, if you will, where I'm just a remote one. But um, like he said, he's always doing something uh, on campus with uh, college hoops kicking off. And of course, I would be remiss if I don't say go Bonnies in the Hope it's a deep March Madness run for our team this year because uh, that'd be pretty sweet. All right, folks, now that you've heard how this podcast is like, let's head into segment one, Podium Perspectives. If you've heard previous shows, of course, this is kind of our PTI segment of the show where we have different topics and we're just gonna see how the conversation goes. The only thing fixed about this part of the show is just the topics itself, but then it's pretty much free reign in terms of topics and opinions and anything goes with this part of the show. So we're gonna hit off with three topics into the first off season edition of TPF Live. And we're gonna talk about silly season. So for those of you who are not familiar with what silly season is, I know it's not a word inherent with motorsports, but it is associated with it. But basically, it's the time of the year where things sort of go out of control in terms of what's familiar in terms of rosters. Um, just like any other sports uh, leagues, NASCAR goes through some changes that shakes up the scene and some familiar faces, some familiar combinations just do not jive and you kind of just have to refresh things up. So we're going to talk about those different combinations right now. And I think the most obvious one will be our first topic. We got a lot of new driver and team combinations to consider on top of the next gen car that's gonna roll out next year. Nathan, I know you wrote about a really great piece that I think is like a digital yearbook about what's gonna happen in 2022. But uh, what are your thoughts so far on, on you know what's been confirmed for changes next year and, and which one stands out to you right now? Yeah, there's, there's, um, there, there's, a, there's been a lot of changes planned for, for this next gen car coming in 2022 um, a, a lot of new drivers on new teams a lot of new uh, uh driver crew chief announcements and, and we're not even through everything there's still a lot uh, a lot to be confirmed with uh with, with new teams and charters and all of that um but i think what sticks out the most is just the, the ford shakeup between team penske 
and um, in Roush Family Racing, it is kind of a, a whole transition there. So you can't really um, pick one. So, and, and that is uh, most notably, I guess, Brad Keselowski. He's leaving the number two uh, from Team Penske to go drive the number six for right now. It's Roush Family Racing. They're going to be uh, rebranding the team next week as Keselowski is now a part owner uh, of the team. So that pushes Ryan Newman out of a ride. Uh, and we don't really know what, what's next for him. Um, filling Keselowski's seat in, um, uh, for Team Penske is Austin Sindrick, who has a, uh, an Xfinity Series championship and an Xfinity Series runner-up in the last two seasons. So he's been uh, one of the best drivers down in, in the number two series of NASCAR. So he'll finally have his opportunity to, um, uh, to make it up at the Cup Series. And then, of course, Matt Benedetto, who we had on the show last week, uh, he'll be leaving the number 21 for the Wood Brothers, which is a Penske car, uh, even though it's a separate entity. And um, it'll, it'll be Harrison Burton making the switch from TRD over to Ford Performance and, and driving that number 21 car in the, uh, in the spring. You talked about a great point about the great year of change coming up, and we haven't even talked about Next Gen, which we'll definitely delve into in future episodes, of course, but... That's a really good point you brought up about the big changes that's going to happen with Ford. I mean, they are going to go completely younger in terms of next season. Uh, when you think that Logano is kind of the veteran of the Blue Ovals, but he's only in his early 30s, that, that tells you a lot about uh, Ford Motor Company and Ford Racing trying to shake things up and really keep up with the Chevrolet uh, contingency, just because we've mentioned it on previous recordings how Hendrick Motorsports you know, they had to go through a painful rebuilding process, but once they did, I mean, they ran with it in late 2020 and, of course, all of this year. Um, so I'm very curious to see how these shakeups on the crew chief side are going to impact Team Penske. And, of course, as you mentioned, uh, Harrison Burton going over to the 21 car next year. Um, I think, for me, even though I've been covering NASCAR for the last 13 years, I've got to admit that that move kind of uh, surprised me a little bit figuring that, you know, Harrison Burton was going to stick with the TRD uh, camp. But, um, you know, certainly, as we learned, his father kind of had a bit of a playing uh, factor with him going over to the 21 team. So it'll be interesting to see how he fares. And, of course, with, uh, uh, you know, the crew chief changes going on at Team Penske as well. But we're going to actually stick with that theme, if you will, that you've established and talk about the rookie class uh, heading into next year. Now, as of right now, we only have two drivers who will be competing as rookies, um, which have to be all in the Team Penske umbrella, if you will, with Harrison Burton, as you mentioned, in the 21 car, and Austin Sindrick driving the flagship Team Penske number two car. So we know what they're capable of in these last couple of years in the Xfinity series, and they've both driven the cup cars in um, 2021. So what do you think, Nathan, in terms of their performances that we can expect from them do you think they're going to be competitive or is it going to be kind of similar to what we saw this year with chase briscoe um i i think that i think sindri is going to be really competitive he ran seven races this year in the cup series and was pretty competitive in those i mean i know there were i think it was five road courses that he did uh i, I might be a little off five road courses the daytona 500 and then atlanta uh i, th I think that's what it was but I, I, with a new car and everything, I think that he's going to be uh, uh, pretty competitive just with his road, road course racing skills. And just, he's just a great overall racer. Um, I, I think some of the reason why uh, um, uh, some, 
someone like uh, Chase Briscoe struggled a little bit this year had to do with, with just Ford's struggles as a whole. Ford just did not have a good year this year, of course. Um, the part series really hurt everything. I mean, you know, uh, when you kind of look at Ford as a whole, they just did not have a good year, just not, not even just in the Cup Series, but um, outside of Cindric in, in the Xfinity Series, there weren't really any competitive Ford. Then down in, in the Truck Series, Todd Gillen, I mean, he was really the only um, competitive Ford truck. Um, so, so, so obviously a down year for Ford, but with the next gen car, everybody will be kind of equal, if you will. And, and Ford will, will have some more of those resources where we'll be able to compete a little bit better. And, and someone like Chase Briscoe will have a better year just with, with better equipment and, and, and more experience. So I think Cindric is going to come in and, and do really well. Uh, on the other hand, Harrison Burton, I, I'm not so sure, you know, he did not have a great season this year in Xfinity, made it to, to the round of eight, uh, but didn't win a race. So, you know, I, I think it's kind of a bold strategy for um, for, for Wood Brothers to, to bring Harrison Burton up to, to drive their car. But 2022 is going to be the year of change. Now is the year to do it. I mean, Ford, you know, like we were just talking about, they have this big shakeup coming. Uh, this year is the year to do it. So may maybe they're hoping that, you know, changing up crew chief personnel, um, changing up driver personnel, going a little bit younger, if you will, um, maybe that'll give them a, a better opportunity to succeed next season. It would be refreshing to say the least if you're looking for competition beyond the Hendrick and Joe Gibbs uh, storyline that we saw all of this year. Um, early on, it seemed like we were going to have quite a bit of parity going on. Uh, when we started the season off with a bunch of different winners, uh, but then Truex kind of started the whole, I'm going to be taking the lead here, guys. I know how to win races, and I'm going to show you guys that this this old dog can still get things done in the Cup Series. Before Kyle Larson just went on that hot winning streak, um, starting in the Coke 600, all the way down to Nashville. Um, and even when he went through a bit of a summer swoon, which when I say summer swoon, he was, what, finishing like third or better in most of those cases. I mean, that's pretty scary to think that um, while that was going on, the Ford camp was like, okay, what's going on here? Are we going to do anything to kind of spice up the uh, the action? And we saw a little bit of promise from the Ford camp in terms of Ryan Blaney winning those three races uh, this year, but really nothing happened uh, outside of that. So I'm kind of curious to see how Harrison Burton does take to the Cup Series I mean, he did a pretty solid job um, just staying out of trouble at, uh, in Talladega. And as far as Cindric's concerned, I know a lot of folks kind of questioned him about why would you want to race in the Cup Series in the Gen 6 car? And it's not going to compare and carry over to, the, you know, next season when the Gen 6 and next Gen car really don't have much in common. So um, I think it's going to be fun and interesting to see if the Ford camp can make this a really quick rebuilding process or is this going to be more indicative of some problems that are going on with the Blue Oval camp? Because um, one of the storylines I've been talking about, well, internally with the TPF team, and actually I do want to make that sort of a surprise topic, if you will, trying to catch you off guard there, Nathan, I'm kidding, um, is the fact that, you know, the four camp, I don't mean to like harp on them. I just expected more. And one of those teams that I expected a lot from, honestly, was Roush uh, Fenway Racing. Um, they kind of showed some strength at Homestead, and then things just kind of trickle off. And I don't know if it's a byproduct of the show-up-and-race format 
maybe not having as much resources, the part freeze that you mentioned on this podcast and in various episodes too, that may have been a factor. But I mean, now that you've got Brad Keselowski joining Roush Fenway Racing, well, that's their name right now. So I'm kind of curious, you know, with Brad K going to this perennial organization that really needs some kind of catalyst to shake things up, you know, he brought in some great people this past week. So what do you think of Brad Kay's uh, moves and deals right now? Yeah, I mean, I like them a lot. I mean, you know, he's getting a handful of Ganassi guys to, to lead that team. Obviously, Matt McCall, um, he was Kurt Busch's crew chief these last few seasons over uh, with the number one car in, in Chip Ganassi Racing. So I, I think he, he gives him and his engineers that are coming over from that team. And they have a lot, a lot of that team is coming to Roush Fenway. So he's going to have the personnel to succeed. Um, the question is, is the equipment going to be there next year? You know, we've kind of seen this, this exponential decline really ever since, um, really since Carl Edwards le- left Roush Fenway in, uh, in 20, after 2014, it was, I believe, um, where we're just, Roush has not been competitive. They've not been able to win races really ever since the, 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 um, uh, the Matt Kenseth, Carl Edwards, you know, Greg Biffle in his prime era. So these last five years, they've just, they've just not been competitive. I mean, they have that reputation of a top-level team because between, you know, uh, 2000 and 2013, they were a top-level team, right? So they're just, they're just not that anymore. They haven't had the resources. I, I, you know, I don't know what that's a byproduct of. A, a byproduct of I, you know, I don't think that the – I mean, the parts freeze didn't help them, but I don't – think that it like made them any worse off anyways because I, I just they just not be comp- competitive enough uh th- these last few seasons so I, I think brad keselowski will um will better that team i think they could eventually go back go up from two cars to maybe three or four cars i think down the road there'll be an xfinity series and or a truck series program again because remember brad keselowski owned a really successful truck team for a few seasons um so it, it's just a time of, of making sure he can allocate those resources to uh, to adequately better the cars. I don't, you know, I, I think Brad, just with his pure talent, he's probably going to be a playoff driver next season. Um, but but, the, but the, the equipment's not there, though, where, um, where both cars can regularly be competitive, you know, right out of the gate next year. So it's just going to be, it's going to be a rebuilding process. It's, it's going to be like, um, it's going to be like the New York Jets trying to, uh, um, trying to, trying to make it back into the playoffs, right? It's not, it's not going to be an overnight thing. It's just going to be a year by year thing of just improving, improving, adding personnel, bettering equipment. And, and eventually I think they can get back to, to having multiple cars in the playoffs and, uh, and just having uh, uh, cars that are competitive, uh, you know, race by race or each race rather. It'll be a welcoming sight to say the least, just because um, Roush Fenway has always been kind of one of those teams that, shakes things up, keeps things interesting, kind of like how Chevrolet has Richard Childers racing now back in the picture again. Um, and that's, we saw that in the second half where Tyler Reddick really catalyzed the RCR efforts for Chevrolet and show that it's not just Hendrick that leads the Bowtie Brigade. Um, RCR is just as capable. And, you know, with Ford having Penske kind of being their top dog team, um, you know, Brad Kay is definitely going to bring his expertise his incredible ability to recruit talents. And I wouldn't doubt the fact that, um, yeah, he probably will make the playoffs, but we don't know what we can expect from Chris Buescher. But then Brad Keselowski just knows how to handpick and find these drivers who deserve to be 
in the top leagues. I mean, he's responsible for Tyler Reddick being in NASCAR. He's responsible for Ross Chastain being up there as well. Parker Kligerman as well, even though uh, the latter hasn't really had any um, solid opportunities to be a cup driver, at least he's a prominent figure in the sense that he's working with NBC Sports and is one of those uh, personalities that, you know, he's not, at least he's got a job somewhere. And I think um, Brad Keselowski is just as responsible for that happening for him. So I'm very curious to see how his keen insights, just his ability. I don't know if it's an intuition thing with him. And I'm, I'm going to be curious to ask him that next year or when I get to talk with him, how does he recruit these people? Because he's just, that's incredible to be able to observe and just be like knowledgeable to know that these drivers, these crew chiefs, these mechanics, the people that he chooses just are the perfect fit for his plans, whether with his truck team before. Um, and I think with the cup team that he now has some uh, say with, with Roush Fenway, it'll be a lot of fun heading into 2022. And another team in combination that's really going to be shaking things up, I think, next year is the number 43 team of uh, Richard Petty Motorsports. Now, if you have been a longtime listener of TPF Live, which when I say long time, I mean a month ago, which thank you, by the way, if you are listening. Um, or if there's Richard, any returners from uh, 2013 to 2014 back in the old TPF Live era, back when uh, when I was just 11 or 11 or 12. <laughs> yes, if you're a longtime listener, let me know. I, I want to Maybe we'll do a little surprise for you guys and girls that have listened that long. I, I might do something. I don't know. That's a good point, Nathan. I, <laughs> I forgot that we've been around that long. <laughs> That's what I said. Time has been flying. You by have. So I haven't. I mean, I wasn't even thinking about uh, <laughs> being where I am right now. <laughs> well, hey, in only eight years, maybe you'll be running this show, and I'll just be a listener. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope it's a good reason why I'd be listening into the show instead of hosting it. But Kind of getting back on track a little bit. And yes, I do want to say thank you, listeners. If you have been listening to the new edition for the last month, just want to let you know the show has been really taking off. We're definitely making some waves with our audiences. And I hope our friends, family, fans, anybody who's listening, um, you Bonnies on campus or remotely, share our podcast with your uh, your associates. Um, because this is a fun show and I really believe in the potential for it. But getting back to putting perspectives and not being a salesman for TPF Live, thank you very much, Bonnie's. <laughs> the one team that's really going to shake things up, I think, is going to be Richard Petty Motorsports. Now, if you've tuned in for episode one, we had their star driver, Eric Jones, um, who talked about the, the rebuilding process, kind of having the team surround him with their attention, his attention, their attention to him rather, and, you know, basically making sure that they are heading in the right direction. Well, it seemed that way because I thought he and crew chief Jerry Baxter were hitting it off, but boy, did they get an upgrade? Not that Jerry Baxter is not a good crew chief, but getting Dave Allen from Junior Motorsports, who we know is able to turn any driver in the number nine car into winners, um, which in itself is impressive just knowing that he's dealt with a lot of um, intense drivers like Noah Gregson um, in the past few years and now he's going to be in the cup series with a more mellow but still just as fiery driver in Eric Jones. Now Allens is able to he's got a proven track record with junior motorsports and Eric Jones I know folks are saying what 
you know, he hasn't won. You didn't win a race in 2021, Rob. What's what are we going to expect? He's a midfielder at this point. Well, the next gen car is going to probably be the equalizer that we hope it to be uh, in time. And he's still very competitive and he's super young. I mean, when TPF Live kicked off back in 2011, as Nathan astutely pointed out, Eric Jones must have been only a teenager by that point. So he is not an old dinosaur by any point. Just my any, age. He's your age, exactly. Yeah, so he's still a young man, still a long way to go. So um, folks, if you're, you're putting some dirt on Derek Jones and burying him under six feet under, I think that would be premature, but um, that's my opinion. I want to hear Nathan's opinion. How much potential does Eric Jones have working with Dave Allens in terms of rebuilding RPM? Um, yeah, they, they definitely have a lot of potential um, in terms of a potential compared to, to Jerry Baxter. I'm not sure. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, this is Allen's first uh, uh, Cup Series gig. Um, to kind of build on the point of, of Baxter, I'm not sure if uh, RPM was necessarily ready to let him go, but what it sounded like is Baxter was kind of ready to, to scale back a little bit. He, he's one of the old, or he was one of the older crew chiefs on the uh, on the Cup Series circuit, and he wasn't um, wasn't really wanting to be on the road as much. So uh, just this week, they announced that he's uh, taking a job in the truck series. He's going he's gonna to crew chief one of the uh, DGR Carsley trucks for, uh, in the Camping World Truck Series next season. So that's, you know, they, they only run 22, 23 races every season. So that's, that's 13 less weeks or 15 less weeks on the road there for, uh, for him. For, so he can, he can scale back like he wants. But, but yeah, I mean, Dave Allen's is a really, good, um, uh, a really good crew chief. He's won some championships. He's obviously was just in the championship for this year with Noah Gragson. Um, but moving to the new car, we'll just have to see. I mean, there's so many unknowns about, about this next-gen car. Um, you know, I actually, I think that, you know, it, this hasn't been mentioned yet on, on today's episode, but this week we actually have a, a big next-gen test coming at the, um, at the Charlotte Oval, uh, the, a big open test. So we should be able to see all, uh, all Cup Series drivers on the track, testing it out, um, trying some different things, because this is the first big group test on, on an oval. I think there was, there, was a, there was a small test last week. We didn't really know much about it um did don't know any details or if anything came from it but this week a, a big two-day test so we'll find out a lot more there I, I mean i expect allens will be on the box for the 43 car uh this week there but yeah they have a lot of potential but but i think they can only have so much potential up to what, what equipment that rpm has they, you know we know that they don't have the greatest equipment in the world. I mean, when, when Eric Jones took this, this job in 2021, driving the number 43 car, he knew it was a step backwards from, from what he had at Joe Gibbs Racing, where he was able to win a couple of Cup Series races. Um, but honestly, I don't think Eric Jones is the most happy about going to the next-gen car, because the last five, seven races of the season, they were actually putting together some really good runs. They were really maximizing uh, the potential of that equipment. They had some top 10s, and, and for them, a top 10 is, is like a top five for – what they'd have at Joe Gibbs. So um, Eric Jones has a lot of potential. I think that eventually he'll be back in, in a very, um, uh, in a very good ride, but it would not surprise me if, if next season, if we see Eric Jones um, win a race at, at a Martinsville or a Bristol or a Daytona or a Talladega, some of the tracks where, um, where, where even if you don't have the best car in the world, you can always get away with it. So um, I expect Jones will be competitive next year. It's just, you know, taking time to, to, um, to click with Ellens and, and understand the next-gen car. 
and then I'll, I'll anticipate Jones will, will have a, a bounce back, or not even really a bounce back, but just another strong 2022 season for, for what equipment they have. And also, let me add, um, for, from what – it's a little bit off topic, but, you know, uh, back at the Charlotte Roval, Rick Ware Racing, they, um, uh, they, they said how they're probably going to – that they're going to scale back a little bit. They're probably only going to field um, uh, two or three Cup Series cars next season. They have a charter, or they're releasing a charter this season from Richard Petty Motorsports. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what they do with that extra charter. Will they keep it? Will they will they field another full-time car? Will they sell the charter to, uh, to someone like 2311 Racing or GMS who's searching for a charter? So that's just another um, a, an interesting um, little piece to the puzzle there and if they're able to sell that charter that's a lot of money that they can pour into uh to more resources so just thought i'd add that note as well see folks that's why it's silly season there's just so much to talk about that so you many would different not... factors right you don't even know that there's no racing going on and that's a good larry mcnugget you just gave us on here about the the fact that rick rear racing might be scaling back and that is going to be interesting just because the charter situation I think when that system came into being in 2015, it just seemed like a bunch of legal nuances that, you know, you and I were not going to even talk about in 2021. Um, but, you know, we have seen how it has definitely shaken up the Cup Series and hopefully eliminated the SNP or starting park situation that has been a factor with NASCAR Cup Series racing since about, you know, about 03, 04, um, when the economy uh, certainly took a turn, not for the worst, but definitely wasn't as good as it was. Um, I don't mean to bore anybody about uh, socioeconomical topics. If you want to do that, go to your classroom, and um, I will not be a professor in that situation. But um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see, not only on the charter side, who does Rick Rear Racing decide on their driver combination? Because they had a bunch of different folks in their cars, but um, our Tara Jones, our um, assistant editor had a, a quarterly series called Terra Talks in which Josh Baliki was kind of the most consistent driver of the camp. Um, so I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with their team. And also too, just, you know, that's the one thing I, I, I'm really curious to see with the next gen organizational test um, that we may have somebody on site for um, as of press time. So hopefully if we do, you can expect the photo, photo gallery probably on the podiumfinish.net and Nathan and I are going to probably examine all of that and talk about that and uh, probably have a more insights on that just because um, I know you folks can listen to the Dale Jr. download and hear what he said with Eric Warren and Austin Dillon and that's your prerogative but if you want a real perspective of things unfiltered Nathan and I are going to give it to you so you know you do mention about the Rick Ware situation which kind of has me going on a surprise final topic for podium perspectives before we get into our next break. But um, the factor scaling back kind of makes me think that Rick Ware has been playing his cards right, economically speaking, but also he's been kind of gauging who really deserves to be in his cars. I mean, I know that we're, we've been sticking to a very factual version of podium perspectives, but with Rick Ware and their close alignment with Ford now and being kind of a satellite team to SHR start Haas Racing, you know, I'm kind of curious, what does this bode in terms of their drivers for next year? My, my prediction, you know, we're kind of getting to, uh, you know, like you said, a little bit more prediction side. I could see them running two full-time cars and a part-time car. 
this is just speculation for me. I, I you know this is not nothing's confirmed, nothing's proven. I could see um, Cody Ware driving one of the cars full time. I and I, I could see Josh Balicki driving the other car full time. Balicki takes care of his stuff, and that's something that we kind of that that the, that the NASCAR fan base just really started talking about once the season's over. I mean, he's like he he's in the top ten for most laps completed this season. I think he only has two DNFs. Um, he really takes care of his stuff. And he's a smart racer. He kind of understands his his surroundings. He um he can he he can kind of observe what's going on and know, okay, here come the leaders. I got to get out of the way. Um, and just him being able to take care of stuff, you know, that 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 gets that team some extra points. And you know, they they don't have the best equipment this year. Um, but but I think a guy like Josh Blakey just keeping them out of trouble and saving the money, and then at the same time, um, getting them more points could, could bode well for them uh, in terms of getting a full-time ride. So that could be two full-time drivers. Then I could see a, um, a third full-time car maybe running, you know, road courses and super speedways. You know, they've kind of um, been known these last few seasons to, to put some road course ringers in, in, in their cars for, for some of the road courses. So I think they could be able to do that and, and maybe get some, some better finishes because they're going to have better equipment next season with the next gen car. Remember, they have a new deal with Ford Performance and, uh, and, and Stuart and the Lions with Stuart Haas Racing. They're going to be better. They're heading in the right direction. They're going to continue to have an, an Xfinity Series program, I believe. Um, so they're scaling back because you know they're going to have better equipment and better equipment costs more money. Um, but but uh, I think that maybe with those two drivers full time and running a, a part time car. For, as a third car could um, could put them in a, in a pretty good position to just kind of, you know, just could slowly grow to, to be a better and more competitive team. And, and, I, and I could see them definitely picking up some uh, top 15, top 20s on a, on a regular basis next season. Really great to see just because kind of stick with the Ford theme. And I promise we're, we're not sponsored by Ford Performance Racing. So if anyone gets that premonition, to quote the late Bob Jenkins, I don't give a who who we're talking about car-wise, um, and rest in peace, Bob Jenkins, and congrats, by the way, um, on his posthumous honor to being the Ken Squire um, Award winner for the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I, I miss my friend really a lot, um, and Bob, would I hope you're uh, listening in from heaven uh, on the show, but yeah, I think Rick Weir having the potential to be a, a surprise team next year. I think when I think of next gen and I think about potential in terms of not being a surprise, but actually kind of moving on up and uh, elevating their efforts. I actually do think Rick Weir Racing could be a, a good factor for sure. And I would love to see that just because that's how it was for me in the old days. Well, when I say old days, I mean 1990s. So, you know, back in the day with Nirvana and uh, um, a lot of Semisonic, a lot of these alt-rock bands of the 90s, that's when Ford was kind of rocketed against Chevrolet. So. I, I, for one, would love to see that, but we'll do a little bit of memory lane at some point on this podcast. All right, folks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that the latest round of Podium Perspectives. Um, and again, if you want to check out our previous shows um, and hear how Nathan and I have talked about um, past topics, you can check us out on Spotify, um, as well as Apple Podcasts and other streaming platforms. So hope you give that a shot as we head into our next segment. Now we've got a really special guest here on the program today. And if you are a habitual listener of TPF Live, well, it's kind of intertwining with what Nathan did last week because he had talked to Matt DiBenedetto 
for his version of the hot seat. So he didn't scratch the car and I'm pleased to say that the license and uh, everything's all looking good. So um, I trust him again when he gets to do another interview, but I've got the keys again, but I'll share the car with him here in a few moments. But um, Matt Benedetto mentioned about a good friend that he has in the stock car world. And just to kind of do a little, little bit of more tension, if you will, or a little bit of uh, atmosphere to the show. I wish we can insert a spooky song here. Maybe Nathan will do that in post-edit. <laughs> this driver finished fourth in the overall championship chase in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, but he reeled off five wins, and he showcased that experience and guile still counts in racing. And most of all, speaking professionally and personally, he's an all-around great guy, very friendly, and takes the time to spend uh, with racing fans, media, anyone who crosses his path, he treats them like a superstar. He will probably say that's enough, but that's too bad. I'm the hoax with Nathan. So I'm going to say that gentleman, of course, is AJ Allmendinger. And uh, AJ, um, if you get to know him, he is going to tease you mercilessly when he trusts you, or even when you talk to him once, he will remember your name. He's going to remember a question that stood out to him. And let me just say, you know, when he gets to do that to you, you're in a um, you're in a, an exclusive club, if you will, that I think you should enjoy. Um, and Nathan, of course, you know you covered the racing series uh, with your past outlet and TPF um, this year. And one of the stories we've been talking about on the show has been AJ Allmendinger. I mean, even though he didn't win the championship, he delivered on some pretty exciting moments, wouldn't you say? For sure. I mean, he had some some super awesome wins this year. Not not just even in the cup or the Xfinity series. I mean, he got a Cup Series win too. I mean, he, he goes to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, the first ever Cup Series race there. Wins it in in exciting fashion, beating Denny Hamlin and and Chase Briscoe sort of after they kind of tangled there on that on that last green white checkered. Um, had some had some great wins in the Xfinity series this year he's getting better and better on ovals I mean that was always his thing right he was a great road course racer after coming from the IndyCar series but he could never really piece together consistent finishes on ovals but that's something he's been able to do here in the Xfinity series and is now winning on both ovals road courses short tracks doesn't matter I mean I think he his win against Brit uh, at Bristol this fall um you know, beating Austin Sindrick there in the Xfinity series. I think that that finish of, of them wrecking across the start finish line and AJ Allmendinger having to go, uh, having to go to the infield care center first before he can go to victory lane. That finish is, is one of the most memorable and exciting finishes in, in recent NASCAR history. And so, as you mentioned, he's one of the great personalities of the sport, a very friendly guy. Um, someone I've had uh, the pleasure to talk to a little bit this year. Um, so I, I think people are really going to enjoy this interview with, uh, with a very personable AJ Allmendinger. Absolutely. So let's throw it to AJ as he's sitting on the hot seat. AJ, let's hear your thoughts. AJ, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. How have you been doing? Man, I've been doing great. It's been a fantastic and fun year and, uh, just in trying to take it all in and enjoy it. You know, as I've said many times now, you never know when it'll happen again. So yeah, just just enjoying everything, the process of it, and, and uh, so far, so good. Absolutely. It's always such a pleasure to watch your racing efforts and cover it over the years, and it's been quite the ride for sure. So I got my questions ready 
uh, and lined up, and we're going to get right into it to talk about the playoffs. So, again, congratulations on advancing into the round of eight. You know, since we last talked, you've tallied three more wins with the ones at Michigan, Bristol, and, of course, the Roval at Charlotte. So, first of all, how pumped up are you about this incredible ride that you've been on with your 16 team and with crew chief Jason Chinchari? Yeah, it's been it's been great. I mean, it's uh, great's an understatement. So, you know, I didn't really know what to expect going into the year. Uh, obviously, you always have expectations if you want to go out there and, and beat your best and win races. But, you know, what that, that set number was or, you know, anything like that, I didn't I didn't truly know what to expect and, and have a number set. I just wanted to keep trying to get better and hopefully be in contention and, and have chances to win races and, uh, you know, be one of the, the cars up front. So I think we've done a, a really good job of that, you know, through the season. We've had some ups and downs of, of outright speed in the race car and, you know, woulda, coulda, shouldas. We could have had a couple more, but there's also probably a couple that we stole there uh, win-wise. And then, you know, to top it off with the cup win at Indy as well has been really just something I'd, I'd had always dreamed about and, and never expected, especially uh, over the last couple of years. So all around, it's been amazing. No matter what happens the rest of the playoffs, it doesn't take away that uh, of the year that we've had. But, of course, at the end of the day, you'd love to be able to get to Phoenix and have a shot at the championship, and that's the ultimate goal. So that's what we're working hard towards. For sure. And you've mentioned about kind of the ups and downs that comes with racing and how you've kind of taken it all in mentally and, of course, on the racetrack. And obviously, you've gotten the great results this year and those memorable wins. You know, kind of looking back at the round of 12, for instance, it was kind of like a microcosm of how racing has its ups and downs. So you, you started off with a seventh at Las Vegas before you had the uh, 39th place finish at Talladega because of the lap 24 crash. But then you went into the Robo race weekend and you punched your way into the playoffs uh, with that win. So when you have those pendulum swings like you and your team experience, how do you manage your mindset and your emotions so that you're refreshed for those next races? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I, I'm probably not the best one to, to answer that because I don't think I do a good job of that sometimes. I, I keep trying to, to be better at it. Um, but overall, you know, with just everything that I've experienced in my life and, and all the years of racing, you know, you always try to say you don't let the highs get too high, lows get too low. Well, you know, I've been at some of the lowest points, and I know how that feels. So I've really, when we've had success, and especially the races that we've won, I've tried to take it in a lot more than, than I have in the past life where you're, you're, you win, and that's fun and great, and then all of a sudden it's like the next day clicks over, and, and immediately you're, you're focusing on the next one. Uh, I've just truly tried to enjoy the victories, you know, with at home with my family, you know, at the shop with all the men and women at College Racing with Chris Rice and Matt Collick, we go do some fun stuff. Like we golf every time after a win, we go somewhere and, and wherever that may be, and and go out and, and have a good time with it. So we've definitely enjoyed the success because you just don't know when when that will end. So I've really tried to enjoy that. You know, the lows, you just you, you take it as it comes. You know, it's one of those things that I think it helps knowing that even when we've had some disappointments, for the most part, we've always had speed in the race cars, maybe not race-winning speed in, in, in those certain races, but we've had a lot of speed. And 
you just know, okay, well, we got to clean up some areas or we got to execute better, or it's just pure bad luck, and that's a part of it. So Talladega was a race that, that I mean, I go and I've had some bad wrecks there. I've had some some good finishes. It's it's super speedway racing. You expect the unexpected at times. I probably expect the worst because I know what happens there. And yeah, that was a disappointment to get caught up, but. It was nothing I could control. I was just out there and, and got caught up in a wreck, and that happens. And uh, it was disappointing. But with that said, I knew we were going to the Roval, and we had to be smart to kind of race for points early in the race. But at the end of the day, if we did the right stuff during the stages, we had a shot to go win the race, and, and that's what we did. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was the, the first round was, was kind of some ups and downs. and But, you know, that's why you work so hard in the regular season to get those bonus points so you can have a down and it doesn't just kind of bury you in the points. Kind of like your golfing game sometimes where you might have a little bit of a handicap so that if, you know, one of the whole holes goes badly, you can say, okay, well, the next one, I'll definitely get a birdie out of this or maybe do even better than before. I don't know about that, Rob. My golf game is, is more up and down than my racing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to tease you there. Give me it back to you, <laughs> I can play at that game for you, know, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Now, it seems like you work so well with your team. I mean, it's no secret that your son, Justin Haley, he, he really loves working with you, and you've got your teammate and Jeb Burton as well. You know, racing is so competitive, and there's not a lot of time that you can spend with your teammates sometimes. But, you know, when you're on the track and just before the races, of course, you try to coalesce with them. So with how competitive things are in NASCAR – and outside of colleague, what is it like to build upon the team chemistry you have this year? Yeah, I mean, with Justin, I've, I've had a good relationship over for, for three years now. Even in the part-time side of it, I was always trying to, to watch and help the best way I could or, or more than anything, be there if he had questions. You know, I mean, he's he's got all the talent in the world. So, you know, I've just always let him know I don't I, – I, I never want to be that person that, you know, you force yourself on that person and say, oh, this is what I think. So I've always just tried to let Justin know, especially, like, you got questions or you want to talk, I'm always here. If not, then I totally get it. And we've worked really well together, and, and at the end of the day, I think his vision's the same as mine and in the sense of trying to grow colleague. I think what he's going to do moving up next year to the full-time cup car is just going to keep pushing the, the college racing organization to keep getting better. I mean, the reason why the Xfinity program's where it's at now a lot of it is because of Justin Haley. So uh, I love that relationship, and, and we try to take care of each other on the racetrack. Sure, at the end of the day, you still want to beat each other. We're still trying to go out there and win the championship for ourselves and, and for our team. But we also both know that it's the, the, the bigger picture. We, we, we want college racing to succeed. And if he wins, then I win. If I win, he wins. And Jeb coming in this year – is bought into that culture as well, and it's been a lot of fun to work with Jeb. So, uh, you know, it's – the Xfinity side of it is, is tough because sometimes you have uh, – you know, Xfinity itself is, for the most part, you're, you're, you're grooming young drivers to try to get to the Cup Series. And sometimes it's hard to get drivers to buy in because they're looking at that program as the next step to try to get to Cup, and they're going to do whatever it takes to do that. But Justin's done a great job with that, and so is Jeb. And, and obviously I'm at a different point in my career where I just love this team, and, and I've said it many a times that I want to just keep trying to do everything that I can to help it grow. 
whether that's, you know, me in the cup car or me in the Xfinity car or me helping outside of the race car. So uh, it's just been a, a great dynamic that I've really enjoyed. It is really a great dynamic, and it's so fun to watch you guys interact with each other, race against each other, and achieve the results that's been going on since you've been with the team um, on a part-time basis back in 2019 and full-time this year. Um, and like I said to Justin, if you think about it, even though he's only 22 years old, he is the most senior driver at college based on experience, so maybe he should be your father instead of the son. <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, I still got a lot of years on him in in life, and knowing how grueling this sport can be. So, uh, but it it is. I mean, the funny that you say that because it's something that in our team meeting today we're talking about that. You know, I'm a rookie going to to Kansas. I haven't been to Kansas uh, in three years. I guess I did a. I didn't know this. I was told I did a Kansas uh, Bush race in 2007, but that doesn't really count. So. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to a lot of these tracks for the first time in a long time and not have driven these cars. So, I mean, it, it is, I, I got to lean on Justin sometimes to, to figure out what, you know, what the cars do. I'm, I'm still learning every, every race. I think that's, it's a challenge sometimes because we've had a lot of success. So sometimes you feel like, oh man, we run at Texas, for instance, you run six. You're like, oh, that's a disappointment. Well, I mean, it's, they, not really, because I'm still learning what, what I want out of these cars at each racetrack that we go to, and there's no practice. So, yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, you know, Justin leads that program uh, because he, he's been to these racetracks. He knows how where the, the cars were when he started and where they are now. So, yeah, I mean, he, he does lead it for sure. And he's a really solid driver, so it's, it's no surprise that we're going to see him in Cup full-time next year. And like you said, grow colleagues' efforts not only in – and NASCAR as a whole, but with next year, with the great year of change that's going to take place um, in the series, which, you know, kind of does segue into my next question here, where we're starting to see so much renewed interest in NASCAR with the next-gen car and cup, with a lot of new driver and team combinations, and, of course, those new to the series racetracks on the schedule. So, you know, having been around the sport for, what, the last 15 years or so, you know, what is it like to witness all of this? and experience the new energy around NASCAR? I mean, it's great because when I came into the sport uh, back in 2006, into the 2007 season, you know, I felt like that's, you know, in that area was, was the peak of, of the popularity of NASCAR uh, from the late 90s as it really grew into the 2000s when uh, it just every seemed like you're building racetracks and, and sponsors galore. You know, when I got in the sport, there were 55 to 60 fully funded cars and cup just trying to make the race. And it was at its peak and that, you know, and then we saw the, the kind of the, the downside of the economy back in 2008. That started a little bit of the downfall with, with NASCAR and, and, you know, just with everything that as, as we get social media outlets and things like that, ratings start to go down a little bit and, and maybe not as many people come to the racetracks. And for sure there was a time probably about four, five years ago where you're kind of looking around thinking, mm, like there's not any new blood coming in this sport. Sponsors were, were leaving and, and there was no real new team ownership, not just in cup, but really in, in all three series at the top. 
So with what we're seeing now with guys like Matt Colleg and, and Justin Marks and, you know, Justin bringing in somebody like Pitbull, and then you got Denny and, and MJ and, uh, you know, heck, at, at the test at the Roval last week, one of the NASCAR Euro teams was there, and, and they were being a part of it and, and moving forward. And You know, so with all that said, you get some new sponsors. We've been very fortunate this year to bring in a lot of new companies like Ramco and Barger Precast. Uh, Hyper Ice has been a, a great partner this year, and, and Celsius, and, you know, on down the line, really. And you see that around with, with new sponsors coming in and new team owners, and hopefully this new car does what it's supposed to, and that allows team owners to not have such giant budgets and kind of brings in new team owners even more and, and things like that. So you always got to have the eye on keeping the people that are in the sport that have made the sport great happy, but also trying to attract new people. And I think NASCAR's doing a good job of, of trying to do that. And, you know, we'll see what the, the next-gen car holds next year. It is exciting to say the least just because, you know, when I got to the Roval a few weekends ago, you know, I didn't expect to see a Euro NASCAR team and driver decide to go part-time racing in cups. So I was like, wow, this is a really cool and healthy sign that things are going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely. It, it, it's what we need. You, you, we, we love the, the Rick Hendricks and, and Roger Penske's and Jack Roush's and Joe Gibbs and, uh, you know, on down the line of, of, you know, Richard Childress and, and the team owners that have made this sport so great, Richard Petty. Uh, but, you know, we need Matt Colleagues and Justin Marks and, and, you know, guys like Denny that, that really want to give back to the sport. A guy like Kyle Bush that's done it for so long with trucks. And, you know, obviously Brad now being part ownership in Roush, like, that's what we need. We, we need, that healthy mix of, of what we have and, and new people, new sponsors, and maybe some new manufacturers that come in. That would be exciting to say the least because that means the lifeline for NASCAR is not only going to be great in the next few years, but for generations to come when both of us are a little bit older, but we can say, hey, you know what? NASCAR is still strong and alive. Yeah, we we got to, we, we all got to do our part. And I mean, it's it, sometimes the grand scheme of this sport seems, or motorsports in general just seems so gigantic, but at the end of the day, it's not. It's small, and uh, it takes all of us. It takes the team owners, and it takes the drivers, and the crew, and the media, and all of it, the partners to to keep trying to make this sport flourish. And I think it's all of our jobs to a certain extent to try to, you know, whatever way you want to do it is is to try to leave it better than when it started. So. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we're on the right path for that because I felt like a few years ago we definitely weren't. So it's hopefully the, the next gen car and, and some new tracks and and all the above just kind of keep keep helping it grow. I think so too, and I think good stories like you having the season that you're having so far adds to it just because folks like me who are not exactly in our twenties anymore. We can look at you and say, hey, he's had his ups and downs. He's with a thriving organization that's really kicking some, you know, what, at the racetrack. And results are being achieved through hard work from the women and men at uh, college. So I think you have to give yourself some credit on that because that's the reason why I love interviewing you is because you're, you're doing some incredible stuff that makes me believe 
hard work still ultimate matters in this sport. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I, I've been very fortunate in my life to to have people give me opportunities, and and it, it's uh, I'll never take that for granted. But for sure, always when I was younger and and stuff, just so worried about okay, what's next week look like? What's next year look like? Uh, and you know, the passion of going out there and winning and being hard on myself and all that is still the same. Like I'm still just as nervous before every race and uh, maybe even more nervous now because I know there's opportunities to win every time I strap in into a college racing car. And so I, I take it serious, but, you know, I think I've always looked at it a little bit that, if you're open and you're and you sometimes tell the truth about being scared, whether that's man, I might lose my ride, or maybe I I don't have confidence at this racetrack, or things like that. That that's a sign of weakness. And I always kind of took that as I, I just I'm not going to talk about it. Like I'll hide it and, and deal with it however I have to deal with it. Because if you maybe tell a competitor or somebody that you feel that way, you're weak and they can use that against you. Well, now it's one of those things that. I don't care, right? Like, I'm just fully open about, like, it, it's it's no joke when I tell people, I kind of laugh when I see, like, oh, you know, people like, I'm not a big fan of him. He's so cocky. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm outgoing, but God, if you only knew in my head how much self-doubt there is every time I strap into a car to, to go be better the next time. Like, that's that's what pushes me, and that's not weakness. That's who I am, and that's – we all have different ways of motivating ourselves, so – just things like that. It, uh, I feel very fortunate and lucky in life that I still have this opportunity, and it's, it's been, as I said, great. And I hope more many years to come because I really am enjoying it. There's so many times at this point in the season, especially on the cup side, where you're just like, good Lord, please get to the end of the season. Like I'm counting the days are going by slow. I want to get to the end of the year and just take a break. This year feels like it's gone by so fast, and I can't believe there's only three races to go, and it's, uh, I'm, I'm loving it, and hopefully we can keep doing what we've been doing all year so we can get to Phoenix and at least give ourselves a chance because at the end of the day, that's all we want. At least that's what I want. I want a chance to go win a championship. If we get to Phoenix and we have a chance to win it and we don't, well, that's how this championship works. It's one race, and those four guys that are in it, whoever hits it the best that day is the champion, whether they were the best all year, but right or wrong. But we at least want to give ourselves a chance, and, and hopefully that's what we can do. Absolutely, for sure. And I totally relate to your mindset as well. I mean, I don't drive race cars, but you know how I've been in the sport for a while. And I do have those self doubts myself, too. I mean, I know it's just with the keyboard and trying to think of a story, but there's oftentimes I get nervous going to the racetrack just because I'm like, can I do better than last time? Are people thinking that I can still succeed in this industry as a journalist? So that, from my standpoint, I... 100% appreciate what you think uh, on that aspect for yourself just because I don't see it as cockiness. I see it as honesty, which is something that um, any walk of life is always appreciated, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate that. You got it. i got a couple more questions before I wrap things up because uh, we took it to a conversational time, which I actually like for this interview versus uh, any ones we've done in the past, and um, including the one with my buddy Isabel from many years ago, and she did say hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me ask you, what would you consider to be the definitive A.J. Almondinger theme song that speaks perfectly about you? 
Oh my goodness, the definitive AJ song. Yeah. Ah. Uh, wow, that's a good question. Um. Trying to think of all the songs that I listen to on what on what it would be. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to think about that. That would be. Uh, I mean, something something resilience and something never giving up. You know, it's it's funny. I love music, but like it's hard for me to name songs. It just you just get into a, a theme of of of. Uh, what that song is, and you know, I think it's it's. I'd have to think about. I'd put the problem is I'd have to like listen two songs and be like, okay, now that's it, like right away. But because I definitely have songs that that uh, I love and and gets me pumped up. But I don't know, Rob. I'd have to. I'll have to think about that. I was gonna take you for being a fan of Survivor, so not Eye of the Tiger necessarily. But I was thinking more of moments of truth, or even the search is over. So I don't know why those songs come up for me when I think about you as a driver and even as a person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, it's it, it, I I, I it, it's funny, you know. There's definitely songs that when I listen to them in the moment, like they they hit home. But it's like one of those that I can't really think of them when I don't listen to them. So. Oh, I, I totally get it for sure. Well, hopefully I'm not going to stump, stump you when you're in the race car next weekend and you're, like, leading with seven laps to go and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. damn it, Rob. T- what Rob song was that song? This. Yeah, I need something. <laughs> yeah. well, you can you can blame me when Snyder or Dave Burns interviewed you. You can say, well, if it wasn't for the podium finish, I would have won this race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> my last, Well, my last question for you is actually, well, it's not really for the interview, but something fun I'm going to do. So I'll be interviewing your wife, Tara, for a future feature and podcast on the podium finish. So, you know, knowing that she's your lovely wife and also the cat mom to Mr. Tickle, what question do you have for her? Uh, Why does she put up with me every day? That's honestly a very serious and really thoughtful question. (laughs) I mean, I don't know the answer, but you're a nice guy. That's my yeah, opinion. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. She, she, uh, she's way too sweet to be with me. That's that's. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure why she puts up with me. But uh, out of uh, everything that she's doing, it's it's fun that she's got a passion for uh, for trying to be Mrs. America and, and pushing hard. She definitely is. Uh, she's beast mode. She's way more beast mode than I am. She she's digging hard every day and and. It's fun to see uh, her be so passionate about something, but it is a legitimate question that I have. She won't. I've asked her personally, but she won't tell me the truth. So maybe you can get it out of her. If I do, I will definitely share that answer with you. But do not blame me if you have man tears after that. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> well, AJ, I know it's been a busy day and week ahead as you go to Kansas um, for the final Xfinity races. But before I do let you go, was there anything else you wanted to share to the fans who will be reading or listening to this interview or doing both? Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, – I always appreciate it. It's, it's great. I mean, the fans truly make the sport, and 
Uh, that's something that none of us as drivers should ever, and, and I don't think really do take for granted. But, yeah, it was one of those things that last year we uh, we got to see what it was like to actually have nobody at the racetrack uh, when we were racing, and it honestly sucked. So it's great to have everybody back that are that are at the tracks, that are watching at home, and it's uh, it's, I just appreciate it. Love me or hate me, either one. (laughs) I would say prefer to love. That's what we try to do (laughs) on the podium finish: is foster love, almost like Barney the Purple Dinosaur on PBS back in the day. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's stop that, Rob. We don't need need get old Barney right there. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed hearing from AJ, and I'm going to be very curious to see how he fares next year, just because he's going to be in a lot of cup races, uh, about 12 to 15, as various outlets have reported. So I'm looking forward, and I know Nathan's looking forward to seeing AJ and what he can do in a call a cup car next year, and of course, what he'll do in the Xfinity Series now that he's got a full season under his belt. He knows what it takes. He knows what it takes to get to the uh, championship round. So. We'll see him apply that experience, that guile that we spoke of, and make it into a potential championship winning season uh, next year. So Nathan, we're wrapping up episode number four already of TPF Live. It's crazy that it's we've wrapped it up that fast, and that means the show is a month old. Um, but if you want to put it in canon format, that means the show is going to be hitting eight years on the airwaves. Uh, well not really eight years because I was off the air for a while, uh, just exclusively being a journalist. But um, hey, man, I'm glad I didn't scare you away yet from the show. But um, we've got some exciting stuff coming up. Um, as you mentioned earlier, the, the, the uh, next-gen organizational test is happening this upcoming week. And we hope to have uh, our photographer, Michael Gurili on site. And if he does, I'm sure me and you're going to be talking about next-gen, aren't we? Yeah, I'm excited to see what comes from this next-gen test. I mean, they're really going to have... Um... Uh, one big uh, open test every month. This month uh, in November, it's going to be Charlotte. Um, in December, I believe it's going to be Phoenix that they'll, they'll go out west for a test. Uh, and then in January, it'll be back to uh, back to Daytona to get ready for um, to get ready for the 500 and Speed Week. So, uh, and and intermixed in there will be a lot of other tests. Good your tire tests. Um, I know Stuart Friesen. He's testing the uh, a car at Wiss Speedway for the to prepare for Bristol Dirt. So there's gonna be a lot of lot of testing that we'll be able to talk about this off season, um, for for both tires and and the new car. So that'll that'll definitely give us some new racing content to, to talk about. And let's not forget, of course, the the Bush Light Clash that's happening at the LA Coliseum. So, folks, just hang in there. I mean, it's not as long of an off season as you think, and especially especially if you listen to TPF Live with me and Nathan, you'll know that it's gonna go by really fast. Or if you want me to do a Rob, a Rob, uh, a Larry McNugget, if you will, and we love Larry McReynolds here on this program, the time between now and the Daytona 500 is going to be about about four to six Rob haircuts. So, <laughs> in other words, just hang in there. It's going to be just fine. We're gonna we're gonna make it through the long winter and uh, probably look a little different uh, by the time we get to Daytona. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, Nathan, I'm so glad you got to join us here. Of course, I'm always glad that you're always on the show because you're my co-host. Um, but um, glad that you're here. And just to share, as always, folks, if you want to follow us on socials, Twitter's probably our best bet because we'll definitely interact with you there. 
for Nathan Sullivan's uh, Twitter, it's nsolly02. And for me, you can find me by at Rob Tiongson. And if you want me to spell that last name for you, because I know it's not exactly the most household name yet, that is T as in Tom, I-O-N as in North Carolina, G like Georgia, S like South Carolina, O like Oregon or Oregon. Sorry if I offended anybody about Oregon and Oregon. Um, I don't want to anger the West Coast listeners. And then, of course, N like North Carolina, because we got a lot of love for NC. So Nathan is going to be back, of course, with me for episode number five. We likely have a special guest. And if we do, well, we're not going to tell you right now, of course. We'll always gonna... have a special guest in the, in the hot seat. We may or may not have a, have a special co-host. I guess that's the best way to put it. Exactly. So there's always going to be a surprise to keep you all on your toes or your collective remote virtual toes uh, for the show. But we're looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. And I'm sure once we get to Daytona, it's all going to be crazy again. So it'll be fun. But Nathan, thanks for, again for joining me as always and being our trusty crew chief co-host you're sort of our Larry McReynolds if you will for the program so always happy to have you on and of course I want to thank AJ Almendinger and Carly McTuck and and uh, Colleague Racing as well for making that opportunity happen earlier this year or earlier this uh, playoff season with AJ AJ as well thank you again my friend always appreciate you ta talking to you and um, also too just a little shout out before we end the show his wife, Tara, is going to be running for Mrs. America. So I think as of this week coming up, when you listen to the show, whether on Spotify or in the radio show, not that I'm being um, subjective, but vote for her to win because uh, I think she's going to be a worthy Mrs. America, to say the least. So thanks again, audi uh, audiences and listeners across um, the Bonnie campus, everywhere across the U.S., the whole world, maybe even the, the Milky Way <laughs> If aliens are listening to our show, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting out of track here. That's what happens during the off season, I guess. But folks, thanks again. Nathan Solomon, Rob Tionkson signing out here for the Podium Finish Live here on WSBU 88.3 FM The Buzz, St. Bonaventure Radio, and on major streaming platforms. As I say on every program, and I'll say it during the off season, let's go get that checkered flag. Have a winning day, guys and girls. See ya. <laughs> Thank you.